Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend, a podcast for long-distance besties everywhere. I'm Aminatu So. And I'm Ann Friedman. And I'm producer Gina Delvac. On this week's agenda, a phone-a-friend episode between Amina and BuzzFeed tech writer Natasha Tiku. They discuss how Natasha writes so incisively about touchy tech founders without hurting their feelings too badly, the typical spin tactics of Silicon Valley, and the apps, TV shows, and Instagram accounts that they both love right now. Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend, Natasha Tiku. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to have you on the show because you're like one of my earliest like SF buddies. I know. <laughs> uh, okay, tell me everything. What do you do, Natasha? I am a writer for BuzzFeed's Tech Bureau in San Francisco, and I focus on Silicon Valley, the intersection of tech and culture, which is increasingly crowded these days. And I kind of just dig into whatever I think warrants a closer look. I love that you said that it's really crowded because that's true. But I I like, you know, it's like, let the record reflect that over the years, you are one of the few people that makes like tech writing not seem boring <laughs> and also does it really honestly. It's really hard. I mean, you see this with like a lot of the reporters in our bureau are from New York. And there's this sense that the San Francisco reporters are sort of a little bit more chummy, close to some of their sources. And some of the people here in the New York people are coming in and they're, but they're coming in with a lack of knowledge and just kind of, you know, maybe some ideas about how tech people function. And so you're constantly trying to calibrate for like knowledge, but fairness. And, and also, you know, you need access to the people in order to like call, you know, before you can call bullshit, you kind of have to know what they're saying. And that's incredibly hard with private companies because they're under no obligation to talk to you. <laughs> just like, did oh. I accidentally just throw a lot of shade in San Francisco? No, you, I don't think that you threw a lot of shade. I think that that's, um, as somebody who uh, works in tech, it's definitely something that I have noticed. It's like more than any other industry that I've worked in, like people take press like very personally you know in a way that like kind of doesn't make sense it's like you know that reporters aren't there to do your pr bidding right like it's actually their jobs to do reporting and i'm sorry that you're like startup your dating startup is not actually saving the world i know it's been like over the course of maybe the last five years it's been the most surprising thing to me is how sensitive they have been to their own criticism. But that really has translated into changing the narrative more so than maybe changing some of the practices. And I've just like have an increased appreciation for how good they are at storytelling, which is like essentially marketing. Marketing! Yeah. <laughs> Makes the world go round. Yeah, right. Um, okay, but let's like back up. Yeah. How did you decide that you were going to write about tech? That's such a specific thing. And also you lived in New York for a long time. 
Yeah. So my first job out of J school was at this business magazine called Inc. And at the time, I had been really focused on green businesses and like do-gooders. And there just wasn't any appetite for that. Is that what you really wanted to do? Or did you like fall into it? No, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I I would throw out the business section of a newspaper like for my entire adult life until (laughs) this started. And I was trying to search for like what you know, how can I carve my own niche? And the most interesting thing in a magazine focused on small businesses was tech. So I got to talk to, you know, a lot of the founders who are big today. You get to see the trajectory of how someone can become, like, say, Travis Klanick. When I was reporting in New York, he's CEO like... CEO of Uber. Yeah, CEO of Uber. Sorry. Let's <laughs> sell the people. <laughs> sorry, that's like a San Francisco liability. You know, he was like this startup dude who's in your g-chat like trying to get you to promote his like latest freebie offer in new york that sounds wackadoo and like none of the regulators are into it and now you know he's this like damn yeah insane billionaire who's like could potentially usher in self-driving cars and like change the way cities are laid out in theory does he still g-chat with you no <laughs> i am uh for like persona non grata i'm sure there are others too there's lots of others uber obviously has a very contentious relationship with the press that's crazy. So you're at Inc., you're writing about green business, and then you're like, this tech thing, this thing has legs. Yeah. And then I still think that the thing that I said earlier, in the sense that like you make it seem not boring at all. It's not you're like Wall Street Journal tech column or, you know, this like straight reporting. You really carved out a place that was like um how to talk about how tech culture affects all of us. And also, you know, lifestyles of the rich and techies. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, I Yeah, I think it comes from not being, uh, like, every time I start a new story, it's almost like I have to start from scratch to try to make it conversational for myself. It wasn't necessarily even that, like, I thought tech had legs. They just had a lot of ideas and really big personalities and you could start to see you know how things were changing like even Foursquare at the time it seemed very revolutionary that somebody would be broadcasting their location that you could walk by a store and and like find out information on it like as you're passing yeah that's kind of what's been nice about moving out to San Francisco I still think about it as me trying to explain the culture to my friends back home who who have no, like, inherent interest. Yeah, because we're living in the future over yeah, here. Yeah. Like, people, it, it's, like, kind of shocking how we use all the apps, we know about them first, our yeah. luggage is smart, we can track <laughs> it, like, all of this weird, yeah, it's, like, a weird town to live in, but if you care about this stuff, obviously. Yeah, especially weird town because, like, all of that changes in your phone and not necessarily reflected when you look around at, like, whatever, you know, the grimy income inequality and general troubled state of san francisco streets right now (laughs) um yeah it's uh it's getting dire out here you know one place so you worked at valley wag also for a long time and so you're somebody who like came out of the gawker meat grinder but people still like you yeah and you still have sources and you like moved on to a bigger and better job how did you do that Well, uh, I have like with all of the press around the Gawker bankruptcy and finding out that Peter Thiel was behind all of this, it's like the first time that it's been I've been kind of thankful to have been almost entirely invisible at Valley Wag, where like a lot, you know, every time there would be like a piece in The Times or New York Magazine about it, it like literally my name would not get mentioned. Which is crazy because you were a like 
the other significant half of that. Yeah. And, but, you know, right now it's been kind of beneficial for me because I'm not associated with the worldview necessarily. But if you go back and look, but like the people I interviewed for my pieces, and if you go back and look at it, um, you know, I, I do stand by what I wrote. And I mean, I think because I came from like a super boring business magazine, not that ink is boring, but I was not doing the most fun pieces while I was there. <laughs> um, because I came from that background, I mean, I was kind of forced to bring more nuance into some of my pieces because I'd been following these people for years. I know their backstory. I yeah. know, like, you know, not necessarily from their mouths. It's actually just like kind of as, uh, you know, on the outskirts and you're trying to find out as much information about these people as possible. So it's just not possible to, like, go at it with a bludgeon. So it's like you left New York, you came to SF, and all your sources still loved you, <laughs> and they follow, and they like follow you around. I don't know. I'm fascinated by this because I think that we like we had Kara Swisher on the podcast a while ago too, and this is something that we talked about. Just this thing about you have to be tough on people, especially in this industry that's so self congratulatory. Yeah. But you still have to cultivate them and you have to stay in their good graces. And, you know, and I think that a lot of that is just like, you were tough, but you were fair. <laughs> and so people really respond well to that. Yeah. For, I mean, it took me a long time to like be able to go in the front door as opposed to, you know, um, talking to ex-employees or speaking to somebody. I mean, like I have so many, most of my information comes from off the record conversations, which I think are incredibly useful to give your stories texture, even if you can't quote them. And it's incredibly frustrating not to be able to put out information that you know. At least I try to use it as a way to make these characters and people and their motivations come alive. But, I mean, it's it's honestly so, so frustrating to have to just calibrate every single thing you say to these very sensitive egos, even if you think you're being fair. And, and I mean, I think it, they're, in their defense, there is the impulse, like I was saying, kind of a New York-based outlook on Silicon Valley, you know, to think of them as clueless, you know, solution-oriented, spoiled, Yeah, but they kind of rich are. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying that's everyone, yeah. but... You and I go to the same parties. Oh, yeah. We, you know, we go to the same like demo days. And a lot of times I'm like, you're not solving anything. You're literally trying to replace a task your mom used to do for you, like into an application. Right. I mean, there there is that like strata of company. But I think that that the solving solving the world, like that's what I'm saying about them being really good at narrative because they don't actually believe that they were taught. They have a formula that they follow of what to say to make to get more investment, because if you make your product sound like the market for your product is much bigger, then, you know, you're able to get more money and expand more quickly. Yeah, I mean, they, they are, I guess, like, that is true that they are a little bit of that stereotype, but they're also that stereotype in very different ways. You know, there's like, we saw this happen at like the Ellen Pow trial. It's like, they're, it's not all like, programmers, you know, programmers are very different from like a old school, old money VC, very different from like a, you know, kind of a self-styled futurist a la Peter Thiel. Like there's many, I think the goal is to learn what kind of... Self-styled futurist yeah. just makes me want to die. <laughs> I just like want to die. But uh, they really are self-styled that way. Like Elon Musk 
most recent press conference about SpaceX. I actually don't even know what he was. I wasn't present. I don't even know what he was promoting. But all of the press that came out of it were dates that he's going to send people to Mars. Like, I put it in my iPhone calendar. I was like, (laughs) in September 2016, Elon Musk said that by 2023, he would send the first person to Mars. And there's no, you're incentivized to make those promises because there's no yeah, like, like repercussion. He can't you even won't deliver know. a Tesla on schedule. So like, why am I supposed to believe that he's going to send a human into space on time? Also, Be- he just exploded yeah. a satellite. <laughs> right, but he went from like you know working on PayPal to building a rocket. Like the truth is nobody knows. Like I don't know why. I feel. certain he won't hit the 2023 deadline or 99% certain. But, you know, what will happen between now and then, whether he'll be able to raise the money, he's very good at getting federal money and soak up all the talent and be able to do this. Who knows? But in the meantime, it's really good for Tesla stock and it's really good for SpaceX to have their fearless leader be shuttling humanity to Mars. I So I saw him speak at the Code Conference that you were oh, also yeah. at, I guess, this summer. And I have never... It's like it's obviously like I know who Elon Musk is. I know what Tesla is. Like, I know all of these things. But seeing the way that people in the room were... Like, somebody, like, next to me was crying. It's like <laughs> he was talking. And this person started crying. And I was like, okay, like, this is real. And then he gets to this point. And also, like, you know, there was, like, seven women in the room. Like, let's not forget that this is also what's happening. Mm -hmm. But all these men are, like, getting very emotional. And, you know, he's, like, giving this big speech or whatever. Or I guess, like, Kara's interviewing him. And then he gets to the part where he talks about, like, how we're in the, like, fake video game or Mm -hmm. whatever. The thing that I've had to Wikipedia, like, (laughs) 30,000 times. I looked around me. I will not name names because these are all people that you know that were sitting next to me. And they were so enthralled. They were just like hanging on to his every word. And I looked around and I'm like, am I the only person that feels like we're getting catfished right now? Like, this is (laughs) not, this is not real. Like, none of this is real. But I had never seen that before. Like, this sounds really naive and dumb, but I'm just like, I've lived here for three years and I've never experienced the, like, fanboy, the, like, tech fanboy moment. And I was like, I guess this is their Beyonce because, like, when I go to the Beyonce concert, (laughs) this is how I am. But seeing other people react to him that way was so crazy. And then by the end of it, I was like, fine. I've also drank a little bit of the Elon Kool-Aid. And then I'm in the ladies' restroom and some woman... Some big, like, tech PR ladies, like, isn't he so handsome and oh, hot? And I was like, I I'm like, no, he looks rich. <laughs> but, like, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, but that was that was new for me, like, experiencing that, like, tech fanboy moment that people have. Yeah. I was like, I, I was like, is this how people were, like, when Steve Jobs was still alive? Probably. Yeah, but imagine, like, the scope of Elon's ambitions are so massive. It's like, they seriously are looking at, like, somebody who has ascended to the next level. That's like deity, like Beyonce, like deity, like, <laughs> worship, but... Um, yeah, but I'm like, he the- doesn't dance in, like, you know, five-inch heels. <laughs> <laughs> the man didn't write Halo, so I don't know. As far as, like, the computer simulation, that thing, like, really drove me crazy because if you're saying, like, we're being catfish. Can you explain catfish, it to the people? Because clearly I can't explain it. Sure. Like, it just all you need to know is that basically the chances are higher that our reality is a simulation 
this isn't real reality. So <laughs> I'm like laughing all over again. But the thing is, this is a conversation like we're being catfished by like a college sophomore. This is a discussion many people have. All yes, I know. And then I dropped out of those classes. Right. And I stopped talking to those kids right. in college. But when I moved to this town, this is all people talk about is downloading themselves in the computer all day. <sighs> right. Which is like, I don't know, it's really intoxicating. Like I love any kind of time travel, future, singularity movie, that's like, that's my, that's my jam. What's your favorite singularity, future, space, whatever movie? I mean, I think I probably have to go like Sarah Connor Chronicles, Whoa. which is, a, which is a, <laughs> I, I highly recommend, endorse. It was a spinoff of Terminator and um, Lena Headley from who plays uh, Cersei in, uh, is that her name, Cersei? Yeah. In uh, Game of Thrones, she plays Sarah Connor, the mom of John you Connor. Know, I didn't even put two and two together that that's who that was. Oh, so yeah. thanks for IMDb oh, yeah. fixing that for me. You are welcome. And she is... It's just incredible, and it goes into a lot more detail of some of the stuff that makes, like, Skynet and the possibility of that so interesting. You know, there are, like, touring tests and people doing chess games and men falling in love with robots. <laughs> All <laughs> yeah, kinds of things. I mean, that's definitely happening. You know, it's funny. I'm just like, this to me, it's kind of like religion. I'm not saying I'm an atheist. I'm just like, it doesn't keep me awake at night. Yeah. And... The same thing with downloading ourselves in the computer. I'm like, it does not keep me awake at night, but it keeps this entire city awake at night. Right. Well, I think like the possible, like death, the inevitability of death keeps everybody awake at night because like these are people who, if you believe your sense of exceptionalism, like only you can like lead us, you know, only you are seeing the future and can lead us to the future. And, you know, if you have like CEOs who are in their 40s or 50s and an employee workforce that's about 25, you know, how much longer can you stay and impart your wisdom and, and build the world in the image that you would, you know, the way you would like to remake it? So I don't even think that they, I don't know. I mean, there's there's definitely two schools of thought and you can see it like veering off billionaire to billionaire almost in the same way that we see freedom of the press veering off from like Jeff Bezos of Amazon's view versus Peter Thiel's view. And you're just like watching. I mean, that's what I felt like at Code Conference. You're just like watching these people fight proxy wars of different kinds of belief systems. But all, but all of them are billionaires. Name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's enough about downloading ourselves on the computer because it gives me anxiety. I was like, maybe I should look into this. I just want an iPhone battery that lasts more than six (laughs) hours a day. My tech expectations are, you know, if my phone stops crashing on updates, then I'll believe you that one day we can go to space, but we can like barely keep it together down here. Exactly. I have to email every, as every single person downloads uh, iOS 10, I have to email them a tutorial, like give them some (laughs) tips. It's so unintuitive. Like we were both sending, I think when I downloaded it, those dumb black the, pictures with the oh, pink thing. I still haven't Everybody figured it out. Everybody does that when they start. Okay, yeah. I haven't figured it out. You know the only people in my life who figure that out? My friend's parents. <laughs> How come all of the, like... The tech, like, the low-tech people in my life, they know how to send me, like, one of those, like, drawing boxes, and I am struggling. It's like I can barely... I, I don't even understand what the stickers do. 
I mean, probably because they're only using iMessage. It's like my mom is amazing at Bitmoji, but like, she only uses iMessage and Bitmoji. I'm like terrified of Bitmoji. It's fine. You know, whatever. Do you have a Bitmoji that looks like you? I'm just convinced that they don't make like Bitmojis of color. But that's also like, I don't know that this is true. I just decided it was true. I know that you can make an Indian-looking emoji very realistic. <laughs> my brothers and my moms are so hyper Like, it makes me happy when my mom sends me a bitmoji because it's like, looking at her face, this sounds really troubling, but it's true. Like, they have the wrinkles and the skin color and the, and the like, face shape, right? I didn't Man. feel like mine was accurate, but I don't know how much time they spent on it. Yeah, I just don't, like, yeah, bitmoji is another one of those technologies. I feel and, like I was really on top of tech until I moved to SF, and then now you're on top you're more on top than anyone else i'm just like i'm struggling to keep up but you know the thing that you said about like how the workforce is really young this town is the first place where i felt old oh my gosh (laughs) and i'm not old i'm like i'm 31 like that's ridiculous but i remember my first day orientation at google you get on the little shuttle and i look around and everybody has a backpack and they're straight out of college and Mm -hmm. i was like what is this what life is this like what life is and that was the first time that i was like okay i'm a different demographic yeah. than what's going on here <laughs> yeah the homogeneity is you know alive and well in race but also in age like i saw you know that bar that we went to evil eye in San Francisco. i saw a guy with white hair walk out of it the other day at like 6 p.m and i was like because <gasps> i had that's my blog i hadn't seen a guy you hadn't with seen white like hair an older person. The, yeah, yeah like especially having fun or partaking yeah no we culture. like we're surrounded by 22 to 25 year olds yeah. I don't even know where, how they like graduate them so fast that all it's all I encounter in the workforce. Yeah, and you can sense I think a real panic and fear in the way that uh, youth is valorized. Yeah, it's like all we have is like twenty, like thirty under thirty list, like genius by twenty five right. or what? Like oh, yeah, but like in in tech in particular, I think because that's the fear that you will not be able to keep up with this rapidly changing technology, and that you know only the youth who have been like raised on the new technology will be able to control it and manipulate it and truly understand it and like innovate on it, and so you have these investors who are in their forties and fifties maybe late 30s, also kind of like, you know. <laughs> Just like, um, who are the children I know who can build Yeah, apps? <laughs> vampiring out, like, on the, <laughs> on the youngest, oh youngest smarties they can find. We're all vampiring out. What apps are you, like, loving right now? What's your faves? I mean, Instagram. <laughs> That's it, right? Yeah. I just, are you a big Snapchatter? No. I'm falling in love with Snapchat. It has finally happened for me. And I was like, oh, everybody is bad at this. It's great. Yeah. Also, because mostly because of Kylie Jenner. Exactly. Like, Kylie really drives my consumption of a lot of different media. She's making, like, movies on... Yeah. She should win an Oscar for some of these movies, the short movies that she's making on there. It's I was like, truly okay. incredible. That is why I look at, like, most... I mean, it's it's kind of embarrassing. You look at, like, you're searched. It's like, Kylie... Kim, Kendall, and then, like, my genuine closest (laughs) friends in the world. Yeah, I'm not following my friends on Snapchat. Like, my friends are not as good as the Kardashian-Jenners. Sorry. Like, that's not happening. I mean, the problem I had with Snapchat is I downloaded it too early, and when you download apps at first, 
especially if they're like only being written about on TechCrunch. Yeah. It's you and a bunch of VCs and some tech bloggers. And it's like the oh, least like me and fun apps. thing <laughs> possible. Yeah. Except, <laughs> except dating apps, apps in San Francisco never graduate beyond that. But like imagine Snapchat if it's like only venture capitalists. It's really not fun. So I just like I loved the medium. But then I just was like, this is so boring. Yeah. It's like you can only you should only sign up for an app after DJ Khaled yeah. has like colonized it. Exactly. And then we're all like. That was a rookie mistake, but that was like 2012. So yeah, but you know, know, I've learned since then. Unfortunately for us, like we're dog fooding a lot of these apps. So (laughs) that's, I think that that's what happened with me and Peach. That's why I was like, I'm Peach. I knew it was promise. It had so much promise. It didn't have any promise. It kind of had promise. It was like the place where you could dump all your like. It was Elo number two. You could tell it didn't have promise based on. I mean, like I feel salty about Peach because I wanted to. Again, like you also never know what's going to happen, but it's very hard to picture a new app getting actual traction or that much market share. Part of the reason why Instagram and Snapchat like loom so large in our imagination is there's so many people using it. And now you only see that kind of like intense, I feel like for messaging apps, that kind of intensity from Asian messaging apps or like whatever Facebook wants to like throw its weight behind you know, for a bit, like, I hate Messenger. But I'm back on Facebook in a big way. Like, Facebook is back in my life. I yeah. check it every day. I post every day. I love seeing all my friends' babies. I have come full circle. Thank you, Mark Zuckerberg. It's my favorite <laughs> application. <laughs> I've. It's unavoidable. I use it as, like, a news filter. That was the strange thing about, like, people getting so worked up about trending topics. I feel like the news feed is really where all the power is because, like, those are the articles that you see. But, like, who's reading news on Facebook? like, But but that's, like, legit the equivalent of how, you know, like, how our parents used to read the news on Yahoo and then they would tell you, like, crazy stuff. They're like, did you hear about this shark attack? Did you? And I'm like, where are you hearing this? Yeah. And then I realized it was the Yahoo News, like, scrolls. You need as many filters as possible because there's just so much. Like, I find the news cycle incredibly overwhelmed, even if you're only keeping up with tech news. Like, the amount of things that happened, even just this morning, are, like, astounding. They found out that Yahoo had been had built a program to let the government search incoming emails for some, some like it, this is kind of unprecedented. That news hasn't even hit me yet. Yeah, <laughs> but so, so you've got to like it's like Twitter's no longer useful if you follow too many people. So you have to look at moments, and that's like hokey as shit. Even if it's like fun and easy, yeah. a way to just like turn the volume mm-hmm. down. And same with Facebook. So it's true. I would end up like an uncool mom (laughs) if i only read facebook but you're you're gonna be cool forever because you cover the thing no and i've decided moms are the coolest people on the internet i mean Um, first of all moms introduced me to the starbucks app which the starbucks app is the best app in the app store i don't know how to tell you this i believe you so you wrote this like profile of glossier and uh recently and i really enjoyed it because I felt like it hit all the, like, Natasha Hallmarks. It was great. It was, like, fun. It was smart. It was critical and fair. But I liked how you were like, oh, like, here's this beauty company that operates as a startup. Like, not a lot of people would give them that kind of cred. You know, part of having, like, people who are diverse or have different backgrounds is that they see all of this stuff. And I think that a lot of your body of work has been that is that you're just like hi i'm not like a white bro working here so <laughs> yeah you know you're like i know who carly Colossus, is so oh my gosh, i yeah. have other 
I have other ideas for sourcing. I mean, I think that they get credited. At, like, she, the CEO of Glossier, um, Emily Weiss, she was on stage at TechCrunch Disrupt, which is a tech conference, and she has uh, tech investors, like the same investors behind Warby Parker and Bonobos and other things. So they do get credited as that. But I found it, I thought that they were actually doing, like a lot of times tech companies will brag about you know, having a monopoly on how to use social media to their advantage. And it's like, these are the same people who are kind of brushing off Kim Kardashian. Like, they don't see that there are people using their tools to do exactly what they're saying. It's just not predicated on, like, a new algorithm or some tech. It's predicated on, like, using Instagram, you know, using Facebook, using social Twitter distribution learning how people talk on that and mimicking it or like, you know, it's a much more socialized way of using these platforms. So in that way, I did think that they they deserve credit to use like that kind of startup thinking. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Okay. Like there's so many, you know, (laughs) the line is completely arbitrary. Like why is Warby Parker a tech startup? Why is Bonobos a tech startup? Why is Soylent a tech startup? If you venture capital, you're a tech startup, right? Isn't that the conventional So I like, yeah. So I'm just like, I'm straddling the fence a little bit. Let's start our own company. We can do something. We could be like, we could be like Elizabeth Holmes, like some (laughs) sort of like catfish, like a bullshit idea. Mm -hmm. And then we can wear turtlenecks. I mean, and ma- we would like kill it. Like mastering the narrative, she was so good at that. The things that drive me crazy when you go back and read old profiles are the little signifiers that she drops in. Like not just the turtleneck, but she'll be like, "I never took a vacation in ten years as a child." I know. Or how as she a child, vegan. I built a, <laughs> a time machine. Like the idea. This is why there's like she knows the formula. There's a very established formula right now. You know, you have to have been interested in something as a child. Like for example, in the Elon Musk biography. He, which I think is very positive towards him, but the author makes the point to emphasize that Elon tries to stress that he was concerned about space at age eight. Like you had to have had like be preternaturally disposed to whatever fanciful (laughs) thing you are doing, you know, and they so they. And that's not a thing that you can like fact check, right? It's like literally you write your own mythology. Yeah. And a lot of these people all have. Yeah. Elizabeth Holmes, what was hers? It was like kind of crazy. She like she had some weird. She thought thing. she built a time machine. Yeah, she had the time machine, and then she had something like with, letter like, to her father. Yeah, the yeah. letter to her father was like a bit much. I was like, yeah. this is this is crazy. But you know what? Everybody ate it, hook, line, sink, and she almost got away with it. She's like the yeah. white Joanne the scammer. <laughs> Well, she, I mean, you know, it's hard to fact check those things. It's hard enough to fact check the products as they move into different categories. Like the Wall Street Journal's investigation of Theranos, which was incredible. Like, I think that they deserve a Pulitzer for that. But they spent a lot of money because lab tests are expensive. So you can be kind of skeptical of it. You can try it yourself. But like when you move from testing and like being skeptical and critiquing an app to critiquing technology like that, it's just very hard. Like you just... Only the experts know, and as the experts in medicine had been saying, these people don't have a peer-reviewed paper, we can't see it. So Theranos's argument, and generally startups' argument, is like, this information is proprietary, it's our like secret sauce, we can't yeah, tell you. Yeah, that you're like, giving medical tests yeah, to human exactly, beings. Yeah, exactly, exactly. When it bumps up against real life, that's when it gets Yeah, but don't you scary. think that story specifically is such an indictment of tech press in the sense that, like, All of the stories were there. People had been making the noise forever. And it literally took a guy who was like, he was reading a New Yorker profile of her. And he was like, this technology seems weird. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to look into it, you know? And it, like, it took 
it took an entire team that was not tech reporters who I don't want to say that they were brave or had courage, but they had the curiosity to follow that instead of like putting her on stage and being like, oh, look, a woman founder. Oh, you know what I mean? Even though she had invented this like very scientific thing, a lot of the reporting about her was about her lifestyle. You know? Right. Well, I I mean, sure, certainly like the tech press, there are a lot of indictments to be made against the tech press, but I don't like the thing is she was heads down. She didn't do any press for a while. Then all of a sudden she came up, you know, and it's like, who has the time to do this many covers? Venture capitalists and, <laughs> and maybe scammers. Like, yeah, so scammers she does, have a lot of time yeah, on their hands. Yeah, like be skeptical of somebody yeah, on the cover Yeah, she was like a glamour, magazine. like, you know what I mean? It's like she was doing all the tech magazines, right. but also she was doing all like... You know, she's like a Vanity Fair new guard. Exactly, like, she was on Woman of the Year. Like, yeah, all so of that I, stuff. I think it's mainstream press too. Because, and I know what they were thinking. It's like, oh, finally, a like an attractive woman that we can put on our list of you know, blah blah blah, under thirty or what have you. So of course they're going to put her on. Yeah, she even dyed her hair blonde. I was like, you are my hero. Like <laughs> just everything. Yeah. yeah. So I would say it's an indictment on all those kinds of fluffy profiles. And then, like, if you think about it from the tech reporting perspective, I think it really it just emphasizes how there are so many holes because say you were the person who wrote something and thought Theranos was like kind of fishy tomorrow you might be writing about Elon Musk claiming that he's going to Mars or like the day after of like a food delivery startup you need somebody who like that is trained yeah. yeah like you have to be you have to know more than them in order to be able to call bullshit and instead I think we're seeing like the tech press like all pile on to the same stories over and over again and like you know, they're kind of writing for each other. Um, I'm excited for our scam startup one day. Okay, we're not talking about tech anymore. I just want to talk about pop culture because... Outside of writing for tech, you're actually a very cool, fun, awesome yeah. <laughs> person. What are you watching right now? Oh, I just saw I just saw the first four episodes of Westworld, HBO's new show. Yeah, how how we feel about that? Because um, <laughs> I saw the pilot and it was slow, and yeah. I was like, I don't know about this. I find it incredibly compelling. I mean, I watched the, like, I thought I would just watch one. And then, I mean, I have, like, an endless appetite to, like, find out what the secret mystery is. Like, J.J. Abrams has (laughs) fucked me over so many times. But I will not give up on, like, maybe, maybe this time it's some, like, fantastical twist. And Westworld, it's set in a future where it's it's a Western-themed park where all these robots are incredibly lifelike, artificially intelligent, and people come and they pay a shit ton of money to come and like do whatever they want to these lifelike robots. Um, and in this world, it's really sadistic. And you know, they like shoot. They want to shoot them, kill them, rape them, do all of these things. And the idea is to kind of explore like how, at what point, uh, you know, should we? start applying human ethics to virtual robots like it looks very twisted when you see it this way but if you think about you know it's like a extrapolation from grand theft auto at what point like you know do you start feeling bad about the people that you run over i don't i don't play gta (laughs) i know you run over some people Um, Um, when they start to look like you there is not a moral code in gta unfortunately yeah damn natasha okay fine i'll watch westworld what else are you watching 
I ha- like I'm constantly searching for shows that will like occupy my mind but not make me think about work and that's like increasingly hard to do. not make me think about work or like the true state of the world so <laughs> also like empire <laughs> yeah empire right now i'm into um brain dead the show from the creators of the good wife where also also a little yet. bit of a of an alien twist on it so it's like set in dc and these bugs from outer space, sorry, spoiler, um, these bugs from outer space, like, crawl into people. And, like, the bugs are the reason why people are increasingly polarized. So they have this, like, stereotype of lefty who keeps saying, like, did you know that people in Denmark are, like, happier than normal people? And they, like, are, you know, like, bleeding heart liberals. And <laughs> then, the, yeah, they get um, uh, happier people. Um, so... It, like that kind of fantastical element makes it a little bit easier for me. And now I'm just like watching old reruns of The Office because I'm so starved for something that's like won't make you think about contemporary events at all. Like oh it's you have to God. go pretty far to get away from Donald Trump. That, yeah, it's like I he occupies a lot of my brain. Yeah, like time. I hate that. Um, who are your favorite accounts that you're following on Instagram? You follow some pretty good ones. I do. Well, I know because you, like, tag me in them. And there's always ridiculous stuff. Yeah. So I love the, what do they call them? The influencers. The influencers on Instagram. Yeah, Instagram influencers. Yeah. Yeah. Instagram who's. Yeah. (laughs) There's this woman, Elizabeth Smart, Mm -hmm. who's a photographer who has, like, the cutest kid known to man and it's just like it's kind of like low-key celebrity because you're having kind of the same narrative in your head about them like how did they get so cool where did the money come from wait how did you lose baby weight in like two weeks you know like how can i get this life except that it's like at like a level one level closer to you and so they have also like a little bit less of pretense maybe and just i mean i don't know i find it endlessly fascinating the way people present themselves on instagram and snapchat i mean even that's the other reason i don't like snapchat that much people are like oh it lets you be real i mean maybe in the individual snaps you're sending people but it's still so fucking stylized like people could be sending pictures of like themselves on the toilet they're disgusting homes like they're messy whatever it's really not that it's always like your fun but it doesn't look good this is my so here's my rant about instagram people who have bad instagram accounts I don't even understand how it's possible. Like, there's this one girl I had to unfollow. She's, like, friends of friends. But, like, every picture she posted was just... It was just gross. And I was like, listen, there's, like, 10,000 million one filters. You mean aesthetically gross? Yeah, aesthetically. It's Uh, just, like, she, like, doesn't understand how to take a picture. And I was like, listen, they liter- there's literally a square so that, like, for all you dumb people who don't know composition, like, it'll... Right. I just think that it's so it's so easy to be, like, a, you know, like, air quotes, like, a good Instagram, like, yeah. curated account. That is impossible on Snapchat. Stylistically, it does not... Aesthetically, it does not look good. Right. And I think that it also, like, forces people to be more, like, goofballs and... Well, you know what I mean? It's like... I, I really feel it's like, like it's a conscripted amount of goofballness. Like, I... No, absolutely. It's like, But it's, like, conscripted to the filters, right? But it's still, you know, it's like, you can do a goofy voice here. You can do whatever. And But with Instagram, it's like, you can literally be... It's like somebody created an app where you can be your best self 
every day. <laughs> it's like everybody on Instagram is a liar and a oh scammer. Oh my gosh. Like we're all liars. Yeah, I have to like remind myself. And the people of this. who don't understand that, you know, who are always like, I have Instagram envy and I have Instagram jealousy. I'm like, you're such a fucking idiot. Buy yourself a macaron. Have a, <laughs> like wear many bangles and borrow your friends like bulldog and like pose on a nice cushion and you can also have that life. But you have to have a like kind of thought about your grid. That's the thing. You could maybe be like savvy about individual pictures, but like if you've been on it for a while and you know there's multiple impulses you can play to. Yeah, but like if you scroll through your grid, it looks clean. Like some people who you know you you kind of like at what point did they decide? Oh, I'm only going to show like pastels and like you know off filter <laughs> images. Like I, in no, order it's to, true, but that's like the to, like, advanced level. That's the advanced level. I'm just like right. the basic like. You know, on Mondays, we're eating popsicles. On Tuesdays, we're, you know, like, you're doing a jumping shot at the beach or whatever. Some people are only just catching up with, with like, saturated colors and (laughs) composition. I know, but it's just, you know, I don't know. It's like Jenna Wortham wrote this thing last week about, like, how uh, on social media you should be more like Beyonce because Beyonce (laughs) is essentially a cyborg. You know, she doesn't, um, she only shows you what she wants to show you. And I don't know. I was like, I... It's like, obviously, I agree with that. And I have such a hard time understanding why, like, most the general population doesn't understand this. I'm like, you're following all these Instagram accounts. They're all scamming you about their happy <laughs> lives. You should do the same thing. <laughs> but, like, what a great scam. I mean, how effective is it? Like, you that you have to keep reminding yourself that this isn't real. It's, it's unbelievable to have... So to be able to inspire so much envy from essentially just like, you know, well-timed, I guess, but it just like well-timed portraits. I don't know. I I feel like we have all been on the Internet long enough that like we know the game. (laughs) It's like here is it's like people who are serious about like this is for my family and friends. Those people have private accounts. You know what I mean? Like that's how the game. Well, I'm borderline on that now. So even even people like me haven't figured it out. Because at some point it was the selling point was that you're not searchable and no one can find this. And like, this is the way you talk to your friends, like the way you used to post after a vacation Facebook album. Or, like, somebody's birthday party oh would get God. a Facebook album. Those were the days. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> can like you a, even imagine? Yeah, I remember, like, in college, like, a night out, like, that would get its own album. Yeah, those days are gone. Like, Because how, we have jobs now. How <laughs> slow was that? Like, you had to, like, come back from vacation, scroll through your camera roll. Put your put USB it, uh, yeah. into your, com- yeah. like, the cord connected to your computer. Yeah, those days are gone, but... I don't know. I feel like you figured it out. You were, like, very gregarious to the people, you know, in your, like, uh... In your, I don't know, you're like pri- in your public facing life, but in your private life, it's like you know, like you keep a lot to yourself. <laughs> maybe that, maybe that's our maybe that's our scam, Natasha. Is we're gonna figure out some sort of like a privacy lifestyle, like hyper curated, just be happy all the time app. Yeah, that puts increasing distance between like what you really do and how you present yourself. Okay, I'm excited about this. Thank you so much for joining us on CYG. Thanks for having me. You're the best. Where can we find your work? At uh, (laughs) buzzfeed.com. Great. The website. And what's your Twitter handle? It's my first and last name. Perfect. And I'm not going to dox the rest of your social media. (laughs) Because just... 
because you are you know you are like you already have the scam going bt dubs oh my god are you kidding of course (laughs) you're the best at this like amina has been away from san francisco for the whole summer as she cruelly informed me we're no longer even in summer (laughs) and you think that you know where she is or what she's doing from her instagram but you have no idea you have no idea it's like you gotta text me for that information yep (laughs) (laughs) that's how that works that's right we're all gonna be more like beyonce You can find us so many places on the internet on our website, callyourgirlfriend.com. You can download this podcast anywhere you listen to your favorite shows or on iTunes, where please always leave us a review if you love us. You can tweet at us at callyrgf or email us callyrgf at gmail.com. Same handle for Facebook and Instagram. We're at callyrgf. You can even leave us a short and sweet voicemail at 714 681 2943. That's 714-681-CYGF. And this podcast is produced by me, Gina Delbach.